Hello and welcome to the Presenting Complaint Podcast with me, Adam Norton, and me, Dr. G. Yes, and today we have another... I love these episodes. I'm always sick of talking to Cena all the time. That's not, okay, that, that's <laughs> not what I thought you were going to say. Um, no. <laughs> Um, no, but uh, no, having these guests on are amazing. And today we have a really um, exciting guest. I remember seeing your page and then scrolling all the way down and being amazed by the work. And then scrolling right back to the top and seeing Newcastle 21 and um, just like, how the hell has this guy graduated <laughs> two years ago? It's um, amazing. Um, so yeah, and it's, uh, it's lovely to have you on. Thank you so much for coming on, Harry. Um, and I guess we'll start with just a little introduction from your side. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself and then we can, uh, we can ask some questions. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thank you so much, guys, for sort of having me on. It's it's an honour. And um, I know when, Adam, when you first started following me, I sort of seen the podcast and I was like, like wow, these guys have had some really big names on, on the podcast. So um, it's, it's uh, really, it is a pleasure to be here. So thank you so much. Um, yeah, so my name's Harry. Um, I'm a dentist based in the Northeast. Um, I graduated in, in Newcastle and I've kind of not left. I've sort of been up here since um i work currently work in two practices um i this year just went fully private um, and i work mm-hmm. in sort of near in and around darlington area um in a practice that i actually went into sort of straight out of vt um and sort of started there one day a week and have kind of built that up so i'm now there three days a week um, and i've just in september started working um with ken harris um, and richard coates who hopefully some people have heard of before um in sunderland at their cosmetic practice there as well so um some really exciting sort of work going on and it, it's really been a, a pleasure and a journey but um you know trying to do the best that I can sort of every day and, and improve so yeah that's a, a little bit a little bit about me that's amazing. lovely thanks for no, coming um, as well it's been a good podcast so far <laughs> yeah definitely um so I think I, I I think I think the thing you've not mentioned there and I guess the thing I want to start with is going all the way back to your being a photographer um, and was that at dental school you started that or was that even before dental school that you were doing your photography? Yeah, so I've always had an interest. So it kind of goes back to my dad, really. Um, growing up, my dad was a professional photographer, so he was really into it and worked for like newspapers um, and did weddings yeah. and that kind of thing. So I kind of grew up around cameras and I say was really interested. I had a little bit of an interest. I didn't really get into it until I was maybe like 16, 17. Um, and essentially I, I got really into Casey Neistat on YouTube. I don't know if any of you guys yeah, have watched any yeah, of his stuff. Really um, and that sort of like, yeah, really, really got me. Like it was like peak Casey Neistat vlog uh-huh. time on YouTube. Mm-hmm. He was vlogging every single day and that, really like piqued my interest in photography so i got my own camera got really into it um, and but wasn't working or anything like that it was just literally um like sort of going out taking photos of anything and i grew up in cumbria so you know taking photos of the lakes and all that kind of stuff um, Mm and all standard stuff really and then that kind of changed when i went to uni so i went to newcastle and got through first year and then sort of um in second year, 
a, a friend of mine, well, two friends of mine really, um, ran like a nightlife event in Newcastle, and um, they're both dentists. Mm-hmm. And they ran with with a third with a third guy. Um, so shout out to uh, Callum, Matt, and George. Um, but they basically said, "Oh, we need a photographer. Like, you know, we know you're good at photos. Like, do you fancy coming mm-hmm. along and and basically taking photos of this night?" And that basically just kickstarted everything. I was like, all of a sudden, I was like, at the time, working in building society, like in my like holidays to try and basically just have a bit of pocket money for uni and i was like wow like i can go and like take some photos which i love doing and get paid to do it i was like oh this is mega like this is so good Mm -hmm. so it started off at that and then matt kind of came to me one of the guys that ran the night and he was like you know you should make this a business like he was like you're pretty good at it it was like people are really enjoying the photos like why don't you set up your business and that's when i i set up um harry craig photography Mm-hmm. Um, which basically it mainly was like events and nightlife initially and I basically kind of went out and there was a couple of charity events for the uni and I was like I'll just do it for free initially I was like I'll just come I'll just take some photos mm-hmm. it's for charity anyway I was like and that helped me like really sort of upskill and get better at it and I mean I look mm-hmm. back at the photos now and I was like wow they, they were not <laughs> good but you know it, it was just part of the learning curve you know of course, sure. and then um, and it just kind of grew. And then I ended up like by the time I was obviously COVID kind of threw like a little bit because I was one of the COVID babies at uni, as as you will be, Adam. Um, but yes, I, yes, that yes, kind yes, of threw yes. a bit of a curveball. But um, that basically like I had corporate clients and all sorts. I was taking like corporate headshots for like big accountancy firms and stuff in wow. Newcastle. And like, it, you know, it, it just ended up being a bit wild. So that, that was kind of how it started, really. And and I, I still do a little bit of it now. So I still um, like for dentists and dental practices, mainly if they want, you know, headshots or practice photos and, and stuff like that. I, I do a little bit because mm. um, I think sometimes it's it's good for them to have somebody who knows the job and knows what patients want and, and how mm-hmm. they want to portray, portray themselves in practice. Mm-hmm. I think that's really helpful. So, um, yeah, I, I do a little bit of work, but not loads, obviously. Okay. My main focus is clinical clinical mm-hmm. dentistry, really. Definitely. But, yeah, that's the story. Uh, at, at dental school, were you taking photos already on your own cameras or was that not something that was allowed or, or on, the, on the cameras at dental school? Yeah, so we had like most dental schools, we had a um, <clears throat> excuse me, we had a like a photographer person that used to take photos uh-huh. for the case things, um, but she always seemed to go away around the time when you had to submit cases and stuff like that. She was like elusive. <laughs> she was lovely, lovely, lovely lady, but yeah. just really like inconsiderate with her holiday taking. You know, yeah, like, yeah. whenever the fifth years are supposed to be like submitting the cases, she'd be away. <clears throat> so there was sure, like. There was a camera um, that had sort of a written guide that, you know, had been written by one of the staff, um, but just had like really quite strange settings, like wouldn't teach people to shoot in manual, was all about like aperture priority. So like, no wonder people were getting like wacky and weird photos. Mm. Um, And I I tried to do a bit of work with the dental school just to like try and tweak the settings a little bit for them. And and we did a little Mm. bit of work on it and and they were better. Um, So quite a lot of the students at Newcastle, I think actually tend to take, um, t- like tend to take quite a lot of their own case photos, which uh. is good. Um, cause then they have a lot of, um, 
they have a little bit of experience when they go out into practice, like they have actually picked up a camera. Um, I do do some teaching for VTs for health education Northeast. Um, Mm -hmm. And last week I was teaching one of the schemes there. Yeah. And um, (laughs) I think something like eight out of like 11 of the VTs had all actually picked up their practice camera and had taken some photos, which was really Mm -hmm. good. Like I'd not had that. I, I did it last year as well. And, and basically nobody had taken any photos whereas this year like most of them had actually had a go which i think is like the main thing you know i think it's like anything i say this on my on my day but it's like anything you think back to like your csu and in newcastle we had to cut our like initial into like a polystyrene block or something and like we were all obviously awful at it and um, yeah, because yeah. it's the first time you picked up a handpiece and it's the same with a mm-hmm. camera the first time you For pick sure. it up yeah it, you're not you're not going to be like you know minesh are you it, you know you have to accept no, that there's no. going to be like a learning curve of uh, yeah. of you know growth in anything and um, so wow. yeah so yeah we yeah, we took no, most no. of our own photos i'm digressing there sorry no it's all right. no. i mean I'm, I was just going to add on that, and you you sort of gave your opinion on it. But uh, so I I graduated in Bristol, and in Bristol we didn't have a, a photography department, which I thought was good because then we had loads of cameras on clinic to to try and take our own photos, and it's sort of like you're saying, and for a lot of people who aren't tech savvy, because you don't have to be tech savvy to 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 use a camera, in my opinion. Yes, it's quite scary when you look at it, but once you break down what everything is, then it can be sort of easier to customize it yourself but just the fact that you're in dental school and you get to pick up one can make it seem a lot less daunting so that way you don't have to try and learn it while you're trying to learn dentistry at the same time and at the end of the day i feel like it is such especially these days it's such a core part of our dental Mm -hmm. career i think it needs to be written into the curriculum to properly have teaching on uh, dental photography because if not for aiding diagnosis or referrals, then just for your everyday life as a as a dentist, mm. you, you're you're gonna have to take photos, and it's fantastic. You know, we can talk all, all day about how great photography is, but it's so great for you to reflect on as a clinician as well to improve your skills. So I I of the, the big opinion that I think once you're sort of in your later years, you should be encouraged to use uh, and take the dental photography photos yourself. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you've hit the nail completely on the head. You know, I think it's it's so key, as you say nowadays, especially from like a litigation standpoint. Um, yeah. You know, if, if you can, especially if you're taking raw photos, which um, I'll just touch upon it just if people haven't come across it before, hopefully people have. But essentially on, on a DSLR camera, there's two types of file format. There's JPEG, which the majority of people will have heard of. That's like, say, if you took a photo on your phone, it will most likely be a JPEG or RAW file. The point with a RAW file is it's actually, it's essentially data that the camera or your computer is is essentially reading to make it into an image. And you can't edit that file. So um, if you crop it, what the, what the, uh, the computer is doing is it's basically cropping your your raw file but making it a jpeg so the raw file stays the same Mm -hmm. Uh, without going into it too much the the benefit of that is that if you ever hopefully not touch wood everybody you know but were to get sued by a patient and you had photos if you have raw files that they're upstanding in court because they Mm -hmm. can't be edited it's like you know a high form of evidence it's not like a jpeg that you can photoshop because you can't 
Um, mm -hmm. So I just think it's so key, especially nowadays, especially with like, you know, the UK, US being so highly litigated, um, mm -hmm. even just from that standpoint, you know. That's, that's, that's a huge thing you, you touched up on. Um, and I, I know quite easily I was able to change the settings on my so that I could save as JPEG and RAW so that if you did want to sort of edit or, or you know, save some memory while you're while you're saving onto your things, you, you can sort of tweak that. So, But that's really interesting to know that about the RAW files. I, I didn't know that. No yeah. So, yeah, make sure you're saving them both. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so definitely save them both because, again, that's what's covering you about. Definitely. Sorry, Adam, go um, on. I interrupted I mean, you there. It's all right, no. It's all right, my friend. Um, so at dental school, can I, I just want to know kind of what kind of student you were because you've obviously got, a, I guess, a flair for photography, but did you also have that flair for, for clinical dentistry? Because it seems from your Instagram, you're doing like these amazing cases was that always the case? And kind of, I guess, if you were back at dental school, what would you be telling yourself now? Uh, what advice would you be kind of passing on to to someone in third year, fourth year, fifth year to to get to the stage you've got to? Yeah, I, I mean, I've always been really keen, and um, you can speak to you know any of my colleagues that are in my year. They'll be like, "Oh, Harry, you know, he loved it. He was really into it." And <laughs> I, I think my sort of answer to that was that in theory we're going to have to do this you know job for potentially 40 years um, yeah. and I wanted to pick something that I really enjoyed and, and when I actually got into dental school I was like right I'm going to really throw myself into it and and really be involved and um, mm -hmm. I'd sort of seen a bit of Rupert's um, podcast that you had on I know he was sort of saying you know say yes to stuff like get involved and and that's sure. kind of the same thing like I tried to be involved as much as much as I can um, and and again you know I wasn't like the best lecture attendance person in in reality and <laughs> um, I I studied really hard but I most of my studying I kind of did like around the topics of what was already been done um, sure. and I did sort of a lot of studying at home which you know again part of me thinks if I was to go back I probably would go to more lectures but equally I think it helped give me like a really well balanced like knowledge and again I listened to loads of podcasts and um, mm -hmm. you know I used to listen to the protrusive podcasts like even as a student sure. and and some of it's sure. a bit advanced and and I think sometimes you have to accept that as a dental student like some stuff's going to be over your head but even if you can pick up like one or two bits of knowledge, it, I think it just, you know, makes a big difference. And I, I think sometimes within your school, you get so locked into the school's way of, of doing mm -hmm. things. So for example, like at Newcastle, they love if you're doing a Chrome, they love doing like two clasps. They won't ever do more than two clasps. You would only ever do a two clasp Chrome. Whereas like when you start reading about it, obviously you might see some of Finley Sutton stuff and like now, like I'll, if I can only do a Scandinavian design denture, I'd never even learned about it as an undergraduate. Yeah. And I think mm -hmm. if you can just try and get like a really well-rounded education um, mm -hmm. as much as possible, I think that, that, I, you know, yeah, definitely. is the main thing. I hope you, I hope you agree. I, I obviously, I completely want to want to echo that completely. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I learned so much from Instagram, but I also, I think COVID was such a blessing from my point because lectures were no longer in person you could do them in your own time but i completely the same as you was listening to so many podcasts i got a ripe global 
um, subscription as well in that time. And that was just like mind blowing, you know, you could learn so much about, you know, and they were talking about vertipreps and they were talking about deep margin elevation and hmm. they were, you know, you could literally see Lincoln, he posts videos on there of him doing composites and him doing crown preps and just doing it in a complete different way to, to dental school. And as, as you were saying, I, I used to, I mean, sit there for just hours watching like his, his videos and 90% of it. And he'd have like Pascal Venuti and just, just, I have no idea what he's talking about. And, you know, <laughs> but, but some of it sinks in and it, it's, it's really amazing. And then, you know, you go and speak to your lecturers and you say, Oh, what about this? And, you know, some of them will have no idea what you're talking about. And some of them will take you on and yeah. kind of speak to you, speak to you about it and, you know, find it really interesting. So yeah, I, mm -hmm. I just kind of completely echo what you're saying at dental school obviously learn the basics and smash out and you know do the way that the dental school is teaching you but also expand your horizons mm -hmm. in that way 100 percent. it is quite a interesting thing that's happening now though I, I think from from the dental schools that i've been to i think very quick i think as dentists anyway we we're built to obviously the majority of us are built to adapt quick to change because things change all the time the dental field but it's interesting how quickly they're having to adapt to all this information available to students online because mm -hmm. absolutely there's a massive benefit to it. But at the same time, we do have to appreciate that when you're in dental school, you're so naive mm -hmm. to the to the dental world that actually I just remember how much it, it impacted me. So while you guys were having a great time with these podcasts who are absolutely, especially the ones we've mentioned are gold star standard you know they're fantastic uh, and it's good that you had the sort of mental fortitude to be able to understand when this was way past your level rather than get down about it but maybe even just get excited about it. that's what you can look forward to mm -hmm. i was having a really tough time with just navigating my way through the dental world and instagram and not knowing what to compare myself to and not knowing how not to compare myself at the same time because i really shouldn't have been doing that so it's going to be interesting how dental schools adapt to providing students with the information of how to find a balance with that, which mm. I think will just come from recommending reputable sources, really. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think there's definitely some parts of the dental school where they go like, Instagram's a load of rubbish, don't don't listen to anything on Instagram. And, I, and yeah, like you say, I don't think that's the way because it's out there and people are going to listen to it. And at the end of the day, it isn't a load of rubbish. I mean, I'm sure, Harry, you'll agree that you've learned a lot from Instagram and it I think it's 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 undeniable the the value of it at this point yeah definitely um and I would hope that sort of undergraduates and then you know foundation dentists early dentists like me have the knowledge and understanding from being you know being a dental student to as you as you say like filter out that information and be like okay you know that that's something that i'll do and that's something else that i'll do and mm -hmm. I, I fortunately like the majority of people i've seen on instagram are really quite open and honest about their work and um, i know for a fact like my work's not perfect um, and actually that was something that i really struggled with initially was like getting over that hurdle to actually start putting stuff on instagram i was really keen to join the community but i felt like proper imposter syndrome i was like i'm not good enough um, and once I kind of got over that hurdle, I just used it as like a point to reflect. So like often, you know, um, if you read my posts that I put on there, like I'll, I'll just reflect about what went well and what didn't. And especially if you scroll to like the bot, like my first few posts, 
just for context, like I was still an FD when I was putting these on. I waited until I kind of, I'd passed Appland 3 because the deanery wasn't keen on like you putting things on Instagram as an FD. So I waited till mm-hmm. I passed and then they were like, yeah, that's fine. And like, mm-hmm. you know, there's loads of stuff wrong. There's loads of stuff wrong with the cases, but that purpose for me, like going through and documenting and trying to take like workflow style images and then yeah. like reviewing them, reflecting them. Like, I think that's one of the reasons why I, I, I think my work has gotten a lot better in a short period of mm-hmm. time because because I've really focused on it and really looked at it. And even with loops, I think if you can take a photo and zoom it in, very often I'll see stuff that, that I, I don't see. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. quite often, so like with an anterior case, I'll, I'll get the, you know, initial primary anatomy and do a little bit of secondary and a, and a first polish. And I'll take loads of photos of it and then I'll send the patient away and I'll get them back in a couple of weeks and I'll have looked at it and I'll go, right, there's a bit of an air blow mm-hmm. there. There's a problem here. I need to change that shape. And then I'll do it at review. And I think that's why photography is is so key. Like it's just about being able to reflect mainly, trying not to make it about boasting on me or, you know, anything like that. It's just about like us all trying to get better and whether that's helping each other or helping ourselves. And I think, you know, it's just so key. I hope you guys sort of agree with, agree with that. Yeah. I I actually just wanted to, we, we touched very briefly on it before we started, Harry, but I just want to, I think, I don't even think commends a word. I do want to just praise the fact that, like, um, I didn't explain, but I, I hadn't, I just, through chance, hadn't managed to come across your account until Luke recommended you. And then as soon as I did, I, I stalked you. And I, and I must admit, I'm someone who looks at a photo of a perfect composite, a perfect whatever, and I'm very quickly like, oh, Ben, I'm just not going to learn anything from this. Like, I'm just going to sc- sc- scooch past. But then I remember um, one of your the caption of one of your photos just instantly caught my eye and i think it was literally you said i think you said let's talk about failure or something i i, I can't remember if that was the one but but that's what it was and then i said oh okay yeah, wait. and then i started looking yeah was it there you go yeah. and I, then i started looking and i was like oh wait th- these are not just amazing photos but an, uh, an amazing clinical work but then there's so much that comes with it with the reflection with the captions and that's what then i can learn from um because i just I'm not saying in a, in a negative way, but so much of instant dentistry can just be like, look at this. And that's fine, especially, you know, if you're there to market yourself, which Instagram's a massive tool for, um, to patients, to whoever, to, to future employers. But me personally, for why I'm on Instagram, uh, on my dental account, is to look for a account like yours where I can see fantastic work, but then sort of after I've you know, stress myself up and like, oh, how am I ever going to achieve that? But then reading the caption and being able to ground myself by feeling the commonality between us just through a simple bit of text mm-hmm. and almost just a simple disclaimer is all that would do. So I really do love the content that you put out because not only is it fantastic quality, but it's so realistic and adds to that achievability that I feel um, when I when I when I look at the, your work. I oh, know. Thank you. That's that's really kind. Um it's hard you know i say i say this again i say this to a lot of people that i meet and and we have a similar conversation and and i say we're all in this career that is very difficult career um and we all want to help each other out as as much as possible and and it is especially as young dentists like we all are and you can get lost in that like i could grow in my instagram now and i'll scroll through it and i'll see some work from you know amanda say or you know somebody like that and i'm just like wow like this is like how do you ever get here? And I think yeah. I just have to remind myself that, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I read quite a lot, and I just read um, the Psychology of Money. I don't know if you've if you've ever read it, mm-hmm. and you know, and my mind was it, yeah, my mind was blown to learn like Warren Buffett made something like you know eighty one billion of his eighty four billion after sixty five years old. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, like, he made, like, 90% of his fortune after 65 years old. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, imagine if he'd quit at, like, 60. And yeah, I'm using yeah. money as an example here, but, you know, like, all of the, every single year, every single day that you go to work or practice or read a, a journal or, you know, look at an Instagram post or whatever, like, it's just cumulative knowledge. You don't know what you're going to yeah. learn today or what you're going to learn tomorrow. Um, and that's why I just think, like, you know, just you got to keep kind of going and, and try and keep positive about it and try and not get not get put down because there's always going to be people better than you it doesn't matter how good you are in, in whatever mm-hmm. field you are so it's just trying to like learn from them i guess and you know i, I think yeah. it's um mm-hmm. we're all in it together so let's try and help each other as yeah. much as possible and you know i love that and, and it is yeah. such a, a positive community i have to say in the and anything i've seen online apart from facebook accounts of dentistry mm. and anything i've seen it's all been love positivity and especially like you're saying the more sort of humble you become across and the more you reflect on your work the more amazing people you 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 gather that's looking at your work and and, and commenting or sending you advice privately and, and it, you just gain so much but i i do think from the people that i've talked i i, I think it's fair for me to it's, it's, to say to them that you know, if you're coming here because you're you're stressed out, and you just you want to find some commonality and, and remind yourself that dentistry is hard and that you shouldn't be toughing yourself right now. We always talk so much about how much we do outside of dentistry that's still dentistry related, and it's because at the end of the day we enjoy what we do. But don't feel bad, especially for those people who are just starting FD and just just got all this new information coming in, just trying to figure out what the hell you're doing with your life now. Don't feel bad if you're not receptive right now to learning new things. That's absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't want people to compare to to what everything that we talk about because I know, like I said, through the whole of dental school, I wasn't receptive at all. And it only came to the later end of FD year. Now I'm doing as much work as, as you guys are doing because it's I'm comfortable now and I'm enjoying it. And the nicest thing about the reading that we do outside is that so, so much of life feeds back into our career, whether you're going the more artistic route, well, great, your hands are going to get better. Even the books you read, if you're, like you said, you can go towards entrepreneurial books, you can go through mindset books, you can go through Mm -hmm. stress management books that all apply to dentistry. So you'll be so surprised what you're already doing and how that's feeding into your, your dental career. And I, and I think, the one thing that most people aren't doing is taking photos you just need to you got a really good um reception whenever you said what was it eight out of 11 had picked up a camera yeah i I, honestly much less yeah i well um what's them i'm not saying they're lying (laughs) yeah well there's actually a study on it um uh, again Mm. it's in my presentation i i think it's moss uh 2010 did a study and it's something Mm. like um I think it's like 34% of GDPs routinely pick up a camera. I, I know that was back in 2010. Yeah, that's much more it's an, yeah. yeah, it's an interesting read, actually. Um, I can roughly summarize the points for you, but it basically goes through why it's important and so why don't we do it. Um, so I think we know mm-hmm. roughly why it's important. Um, uh, we yeah. briefly touched upon it, but obviously like litigation, patient education, marketing, obviously is massive now. Um mm-hmm. 
what else are the reasons for it lab communication um massive yeah obviously huge and patient um, communication as well yeah treatment planning like stuff like that Mm -hmm. it's all kind of contained within within those kind of key points there so Mm -hmm. and then i start saying well why don't we do it and the reasons were it's expensive so you know if you don't have a camera um but again head over to my instagram i'm giving one away so you might might be able to win it um um, so yeah it's expensive it is but ultimately you know once you buy that once you buy a camera and and maybe not so much as an fd but when you're an associate and you're working in practice, it is obviously, it's a business expense, mm-hmm. so you can offset against your tax, and it will last yeah. forever. Um, you know, my first camera that I started working with was a, a Canon EOS 1D Mark III, um, not in dentistry, like pro- like taking proper photos. Yeah. I, I didn't use that for dentistry because it's massive. And um, yeah, it's I, it was, what I was, it was like 10 years old or 15 years old, yeah. and it still worked fine. So, you know, mm, they will yeah. last for a long a long period of your career. They will. The second reason, going back to it, was that it's time-consuming. And again, mm. I say this to the FDs, I'm like, you're going to have to accept, especially initially, it's going to take you more time. When you start in practice, they'll book you like an hour for an exam. And, mm-hmm. you know, you'll take all of that time. And then when you're an associate and you get booked 15 minutes, you'll think, you know, how did I how did this take an hour initially but what i sort of say to to the fds is you're going to have to accept that it's going to take you 15 minutes to take some case photos and as an fd Mm -hmm. you've got your aplan presentations so you're going to have to do it at some point so just ask Mm -hmm. the desk just say look it's an aplan case and i need an extra 15 minutes because i'm going to take some photos of it and and then you know you're already doing stuff for the first time it's stressful you might be doing a first Mm -hmm. post or you know you might be doing your first smaller endo on your own for for example so Mm -hmm. the best thing you can do is just make sure you've got enough time so that you're not thinking about everything else you can take your photos and not worry about it Mm Um, it's confusing. That was another reason. People weren't sure about consent, so they were worried about not having adequate consent. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that was pretty much the majority of, of the reasons. Mm-hmm. There'll be a few more. I can't remember them all off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of it just comes down to really time. I, I think it's the only mm-hmm. one that you can't sort of justify is just making sure that you've got enough time. And even now, I'm lucky enough to work in private practice, so time constraints is is much less. But obviously, I don't want to waste loads Mm -hmm. of time. But you still have to factor that in. And, and, you know, if you're doing an an ortho case or something, you know, just making sure that I've got enough time to take those photos. Or, again, if I think it's going to be something interesting, something that I've not done before, because again i'm you know recently qualified like you both are there's still loads of things that i've not done so if i'm doing something for the first time i want to take some photos so i can review it and learn from it and um especially things i'm not so good at um one of the biggest things that i found was like you're saying when things you're doing for the first time i'm so stressed in the moment of trying to get it right that i I barely remember what I did and what it looked like. And, and all of a sudden I'm reflecting on it, but I'm sort of trying to picture it. I can't in my head. That's another amazing thing. You just, well, you've got a snapshot of it. So just look at it and it's super high def. You can zoom in to the, to the last pixel there. So it's, it's fantastic for, for something like that. And then you've got that to review on like the way my files are saved. I've saved it as each type of procedure that I do. And then I have another one for like iffy procedures <laughs> where I want to go back regularly and know that, okay, next time I'm, I'm going to, there's that little spot there. I'll, I'll circle it. And I said, I'll, I'll make sure I don't do that next time as well. Um, another thing quickly, I, I know I just cut you off, Harry, but for the FDs, um, something that I'm noticing of, of my um, 
friends who have just finished their FD, a lot of them who haven't taken photos or they have they've only taken photos of sort of weird cases uh, instead of just a lot of their work is that they actually just don't have a portfolio now to send to an employer if they want to to get a good job so it's really important even through fd to take that for your future career prospects because you know as as maybe new to the scene as you are you'll have a case where you just smash and everything goes right and you want a photo of that yeah definitely yeah. and and often sometimes i think it's the cases that you don't sometimes like sometimes it's a case that you don't think you're going to smash out the park you look at it afterwards and you go damn Whoa. i wish i took some pre-op <laughs> photos of this and, yeah, and yeah. I, you know and that is like the worst for me that's the worst feeling ever because i could kick mm-hmm. myself and it's inevitably mm-hmm. i'll be running late and you know i'll already be behind and the patient's been sat in the waiting room and and i, I just sort of go right let's just crack on the only thing i don't do that with is crowns i'll always take a pre-op photo for a crown for the for the lab but you know a composite mm-hmm. say and i'll be like ah i wish i'd taken that photo like that's so yeah. annoying yeah. um and yeah. so now i just kind of have a a basically a policy that I, I just try and take as many photos as possible and and yeah, particularly yeah. at river edge we the kind of practice policy is that everything gets photoed basically every step yeah. of every single patient from initial consultation even to the point where when the patients want to well they kind of like apply to register like it's not really like a, they come in and meet the treatment coordinator first um they send photos of their own teeth in and then that goes in their file. So like, you know, they'll be literally, um, you know, I mean, Ken's been practicing a long time and and it's always been, Ken and Richard both are big advocates of photography. They have literally like, you know, must be thousands and thousands of photos of, of patients because literally everything gets, every single stage of every single procedure gets photoed, even if it's rubbish, even like, a photo of bone sounding before doing like an ovate pontic or something just to document that you've got it a photo with the articulating paper in just to prove that you've checked the occlusion i mean like everything and you know that for me i was like when when i went to shadow them i was like this is amazing you know like this is so cool yeah yeah for sure and that i don't mean you sorry to um private practice for you was that something that was kind of a natural thing or was it did you ever consider staying in the nhs and how have you found that kind of step up and i guess up the whole um process of coming towards the end of fd or halfway through fd and thinking about um your next steps in that way yeah um i guess hard really I, I, but i think any transition into an associate job is is difficult I loved my FD practice. I got on really, really well with with the whole team, but it was very like NHS. I think I did like a couple of private treatments in the whole year. I didn't really do anything. Mm. Um, And it was actually photography that helped me get my private my first sort of fully private job and I'd taken Mm. some photos for this practice and they had the the same practice manager as um, another like another fully private practice and they one of their associates just happened to be leaving as i was coming into fd and they were like oh we've got a day like do you fancy coming and doing a fully private day Hmm. fortunately for me um the principal chris was like really invested in sort of looking after me and you hear this word mentor quite a lot which Mm -hmm. uh, you know it depends on on who who it is that makes makes it worthwhile or not but chris was really really good with me he spent like an hour every monday lunchtime a bit like a tutorial as as an fd Mm -hmm. but not sort of as handheld just more like talking through cases because 
it is private dentistry is different and you go from things that you would leave on the NHS, you would definitely treat privately. And, you know, obviously options to patients are completely different. Chris is really into placing implants. So, you know, he, he's helped me learn a lot about that. I actually restored my first implant a couple of months ago. Um, and so like he, he was really good with me. Um, and sort of, you know, really looked after me. So that was my first sort of real introduction. And then I actually went into a mixed, basically a mixed practice, but was like NHS and then another mixed practice, which was mainly private. And I was working in three mm -hmm. places, but I really didn't like the NHS practice. It was just like personal circumstances. It just wasn't really for me. And um, I really struggled with not well, kind of time, but I felt like I could always do better for that sure. in that particular in that particular individual um you know i love a good carved amalgam but you know it wasn't really the, the direction in which i wanted to go with my mm. career um, and i'd never like bash the nhs because i think it's really important and, and i definitely think i think often the private sector has a vendetta against nhs and the nhs has a vendetta against private and it's not really yeah. like that i think if the health service didn't exist, there would be so many patients that couldn't have treatment and care that it wouldn't work. And equally, I've got loads of friends and loads of colleagues that only work in the NHS and they absolutely love it and have done for many, many years. But it was more of a mm -hmm. personal choice that it just wasn't really for me. Yeah. So I left that job and then I went to work basically um, more days. Um, and then come September, I ended up getting offered to go and work with Ken and Richard. So I sort of left my mixed practice um, I just finishing off some ortho cases there. Um, so I'm still like going back one day every every month, basically just to finish off ortho. And then, you know, I'm between two practices now, which is, is much better. I think um, three practices quite a lot. I think if um, you know, again, any advice for FDs, I would try and avoid mm -hmm. being between three places if you can. Uh, it's not always possible. And, and for some people, they really, really like it. But I particularly struggled doing one day, especially initially just in private practice. I went and it was so different to everything else. I couldn't get going. And then I, mm -hmm. I went to two days in that practice and then I really felt like I was really starting to make mm -hmm. it work. And now I do three 100%. there. Um, that sort of really helped get me going. I, I think it's it's really quite difficult three practices. So that would be some advice. Yeah, for that, sure. I mean, that, that was a question I was going to ask is, would you recommend kind of dipping you to, your toes into private practice? So starting doing only kind of one day or two days and then transitioning as you get going, I guess that's the way it probably naturally happen. But you were kind of also suggesting the opposite is that if you don't do the one day, it's hard to kind of build momentum as well. I think it depends on the person. I, I, I particularly found it tricky, but I think mm. other people might really enjoy the comfort of going back to a practice that they know and they know how it works. Um, sure. I just felt like I couldn't get going. So maybe if you did like two days in private and three days in mixed, um, you know, I, I think might be a good balance. Um, again, like in terms of, you know, when is good to go into private, I think it, it really depends on on the person and the individual I, I know a lot of colleagues will say you know you must do three years of like mixed practice but again what defines mixed practice and for me 
like as I said before, I loved my my FD practice. I really enjoyed it, but I wasn't doing any private work. So, you know, I wasn't doing any posterior composite. I wasn't doing any, you know, Emacs or zirconia crowns. Really, I did I did a couple of zirconia crowns, but um. Mm -hmm. So, my sort of point is, how do you get good at doing that work? If you're never doing, doing it, and it's, two, and it's yeah. yeah, and it's it's like a catch twenty two. How how do you actually improve in your posterior composite if you're not doing it? And I went from not really doing any at all to then in a practice where I was doing two or three posterior composites every day, and yeah. obviously I got a lot better at it because I was doing it all the time, and I was able to then there was no question asked. Rubber dam went on basically everything I could get a rubber dam on, I'd do it for an amalgam if I could. Um, but uh, joking aside, um, you know, I, I was able to build those skills because I had the patient base to be able to do it and, you know, be able to do porcelain veneers because I had a patient base that was able to do it. Fortunately, I had the safety net. If, if anything went wrong, I could go to Chris and be like, oh, I'm not too sure about this you know, what, what do you think? And, um, he could, you know, hold my hand through it and, and he still does now, you know, even now I'll still go and ask Chris about something. I've got something I need to text him about later. He's amazing. And, and equally, so is, you know, so is Ken and Richard, you know, often we talk about each other's cases and I'll be like, Oh, what do you think about, you know, this composite and Richard straight away will be like, you need, we're just that, you know, distal incisal edge. It's not right. And, and I think, uh -huh. Again, that's something to take away. Just because you've finished your FD and you're going into associate life, try and keep your network as open as, as possible. Mm -hmm. Try and, you know, listen to podcasts, but speak to colleagues, speak to your friends. It's really easy to go into your surgery and and stay in your surgery and not pick up anything, you know, anything more. You get trapped in your own little bubble. So try and expand out as much as, as much as you can for sure. I love that. Amazing. I love that definitely. And I guess what me and Cena do on this podcast also echoes what you're saying is, you know, building that network, sharing. We basically share our reflections every week with each other and what's gone well and what's not gone gone so well, and also then with um, anyone who listens. So um, and I always like asking our guests to do the same as well. So what's something this week that you've learned new or something you can reflect on and kind of share? um that new thing that you've learned with with everyone yeah absolutely i mean we touched on composite before so i'll you know i'll talk about composite if that's all right um but mm -hmm. really like for me this week i had a bit of a mare with a, a lower seven i was doing like a mesial um mo box and um mm -hmm. i love sectional matrices i had my down on it was all going well sandblasted etc etc um, yeah. and we have a well we have a velo light and somebody had mm -hmm. dropped it and the, basically the veiler was broken. So I'd been given like this old, yeah, I can I can see the look on everybody's faces, a drop yeah. veiler, it's, it's an expensive mistake to make. Anyway, so I had this old, like this old curing light and I'm always really careful. Like a fan in it. Basically, like it might as well have had a fan in it. It, it wasn't quite that old, but it, it was relatively old. It was a woodpecker, but like an old school woodpecker. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and so basically like, when I'm curing normally, so I built up my, um, uh, like making it into a class one cavity. Mm -hmm. And I, I, what I do is I cure it from the top. And then what I do is I try and like, I bend the matrix band out and then cure it from both sides before I take the matrix band out just to make sure that the, mm. the box is fully set. 
Um, but it mm. must have been like maybe the angle of the tooth or something. And as I went to like bend the band out, basically the band slipped and it like dragged the composite out and it wasn't it wasn't fully cured. So I had like a half set, like soft, like conversion to a class one. And I was like, oh, for goodness sake, like what, what am I going to do? So basically I had to like, basically dig it out and and just uh, did it again and, and it was it was obviously fine i knew what i was doing but i think the the lesson learned from that to not ramble on too much is you know if, if you're given like a new bit of kit or an old bit of kit because something yeah. has gone wrong you know make sure that you double triply short just because something works with one piece of equipment doesn't mean that it's necessarily gonna gonna work with another and that applies to like so many different things but I yeah. think often when you go into practice and you, even as, a, as an FD or you go into an associate and it, you've got, you've gotten used to the stuff that you had at university or, or the stuff that you had as an FD and now you're in a new environment, all of the kit is different. Just have a little look at what that kit is and, and how it works mm. and, you know, what bond do we now use? And often, again, it's really interesting. If you ask a bunch of FDs what bond they use, they'll normally say something along the lines of, it's the one that the nurse gives me. Or, like, you know, there might be one or two who know, oh, we use Scotch bond or, oh, we use X, Y, Z. Normally they don't. Mm. And I think just making sure you know, like, what kit you've got and, and how it actually works, I think, is so key. And, you know, we all get bitten. I got bitten. I think it was... It was last Friday and, um, you know, it, it happens. You've just got to, you know, you've got to roll with it. But, you know, equally just sort of testing that kit and making sure that it's, you know, it works. Yeah, absolutely. And that that was fantastic. It's always nice to reflect. And that's something that I'll be double, triple checking on <laughs> yeah. that horror story. Um, what I wanted to ask is, so I've got so many, you know, FDs out there that, like i know i need to start i'm gonna start i'm gonna start i know i'm going to and i just don't believe them and so what would you say to comfort someone but also try and motivate someone new into the photography to just start taking photos i think you you've already said it it's just a start i think mm -hmm. it, I, I think you know a main thing is having a camera in your surgery and i say this when i'm teaching that you know if you, I'm going to set up the, the story and the scenario, somebody comes in, you think, oh, that's really cool. I'm going to take a photo of that. You have yeah. to go downstairs to find the camera. Nobody knows where it is. It's then, okay. it's in the camera bag and it's all disassembled because for some reason, yeah. every dental practice I've ever been in always takes the camera to pieces. I don't know why this is a yeah. thing, but it is. So you then got to <laughs> put it to- it's uncharged or so yeah but let's say it is charged you're then putting it together you're trying to screw the little thing into the lens for the ring flash and it's and now you're just mega stressed because you've already wasted 20 minutes and you're sitting here with like a half assembled camera and then there's no memory card in it or something it, you know it just it's just a horror story and we've all been there because i was there as an fd as well or they then bring up like a phone with a smile light or something and you're trying to take like iphone photos or something yeah you know and um, so, yeah, I think the first thing, like, again, it's an investment, but if you can have a, a camera in your surgery, I'm really lucky. My camera's just there. I can, you know, I see something, I can just pick it up and I can just take a photo of it. Or, you know, um, an emergency comes in, most schemes have to do an emergency app plan presentation. You don't know what that emergency yeah. is going to be. Mm -hmm. So you just have that camera there. It's ready to go. I think that's the main thing. I, that twists your arm a little bit. And equally, mm -hmm. I, I also, because I, I fell into this trap myself, of you get sucked into the dentistry and park the photography. So I say to my nurse, right, 
I've got this coming in tomorrow. Whatever happens, do not let me leave without taking some photos. I like, That's good. you know, twist, twist my arm. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to work towards my BACD accreditation. And I was doing something the other day that might have been eligible. I'm not sure if I'm going to submit it or not. But I was like, whatever mm-hmm. happens, do not let me not take a full set of case st- photos for this, you know, no, on no. this person. Otherwise, I, you know, give me a slap or something. Uh, you know, I think try and get the team involved around it. Try and make sure. your team understand why it it's important. And mm-hmm. again, often, you know, I think when you're recently qualified, often your nurse can influence, can influence you quite a lot. And they mm-hmm. might not understand the importance of a rubber dam. They might not understand the importance of taking photos of, of your work and try and get them involved. I know like now in, in my VT practice, the, the um, FD below me, James, was also really keen in taking photos. And like, I think having two foundation dentists back to back who are really quite keen in it, like the nurses are really quite involved. One of them messaged me the other day actually and was like, oh, have you got any mm-hmm. advice? Like where the nurses are gonna start taking the photos you know, for some of the oh, dentists. And, and I was yeah. like, yes, you know, let's get everybody involved. And, but I think yeah. the key, the key thing is just start going to, mm-hmm. to work tomorrow and just try and take some photos and appreciate they're not going to be very good. Have a little laugh about them, you know, mm-hmm. show them to the nurse and go, oh, they're not very good. But try and, <laughs> you know, try and problem solve like what the issues are and just keep going and, and you will improve even if it's slowly and surely, even if you pick up like one thing every single day that gets better and and you know again obviously like i'm pushing my you know new course at the moment trying to get people involved with my course but you know really like the take-home thing is there's loads of tips and tricks that you can pick up along the way but it's like anything you've got to go and practice them it's like any course you do in dentistry and again some of the younger listeners you know the foundation dentist might not have might not have you know done that many um or the undergraduates might not have done any either but it's all just putting it into practice just go and try tomorrow go and do whatever you've you know picked up i think that's the main thing sure yeah that's fantastic advice thank you i'd also add that you know whenever you're in that sort of limbo where you've got a case in front of you and you're just sitting there thinking wasting time and like should I take a photo? Maybe I shouldn't take a photo. Should I take a photo? I don't know what time is it. When's the next one? When do you find yourself stuck in that? Let me just tell you, I've never not, I've never once regretted taking a photo, but I've always regretted not taking one. It's, and it's a like little story a I have. What is it? Like doing a workout. Yeah, exactly. I've always regretted not doing it. It's just life in general. Like regrets don't come yeah. from something you've done. They usually come from something you didn't do. And one of the photos that I'm going to kick myself the rest of my life for was last year. I had a patient come in and per thing, like I, I made time because it sounded like he was really suffering um, with some pain. So I, I actually pushed some patients aside and asked them, like, is that okay to squeeze in an emergency here? Like, yeah, I'm fine. The way it's okay. I'll just quickly see him. So him and per thing, the guy was in like distress. And he's like, oh, I've done last night. I was having a bag of peanuts, and now peanuts got stuck in my gum, and it's excruciating. I'm just thinking, it's stuck in your gum, a peanut. Oh my! I just wanted to see what was going on. And the guy opens his mouth, and I, it's hard enough to explain, but I wish I just had a picture of it. If I took a photo of it, it would have looked like someone would have. I'd asked for a diagnosis. Someone would have said it was like a squamous cell carcinoma, because that's what it looked like. It looked crazy. And I was looking there for a second. I was like, oh my god, what is that? Then I poked in. I realized. He had sub. He had uh, lingual tori, which converged in towards the midline, 
and right under that lingual frenum there was a gap and a peanut perfectly went down the floor of the mouth and wedged Ooh. up into that gap Ooh. and the poor thing it was already the amylase was already breaking down like the starch and everything and it's so, it oh. so fluffy and weird and ulcerated and then I had to like try not to laugh with the poor guy because I know how much pain he's been in but he was just been trying to take it out the whole time and it's just rolling in there I even got it out and then it went straight back in okay. and I just I re- regretted not taking a photo because no one would have I don't think ever seen that in dentistry at all so if your patient's got lingual dry watch out for peanuts that's crazy yeah I, I think yeah, just to I, quickly add to that and um, sorry Adam, just into it just one you know oh, you just to quickly add to, I think a lot of it is like being efficient with your time so trying to be uh-huh. as efficient as possible and like you know say you're doing a lower tooth put your block in and then take your photo uh, you know try and do it at a time or like mm. sometimes what I'll do is you know say you're going to etch your enamel then your dentine put the etch on the enamel quickly take a photo like whenever nice. you're doing you know say you put your bond on you're waiting for your coupling time for your bond you know you're maybe not waiting five minutes like you know certain papers might suggest but you know just mm-hmm. take a quick photo and, mm-hmm. and, and any excuse basically and um, get used to taking photos of the patients in different position get used to taking photos of patients lying down and sat up you know different different things i think you know efficiency is is going to be key especially if you're really busy amazing i love that 100 percent. and i guess i think before we wrap up i want to go back to kind of what you were talking about quite early on um about kind of that almost imposter syndrome at the start and um you've mentioned a few books and a podcast i used to do it was, it, I used to ask people kind of life-changing book, mindset advice, favorite quote or motto. And I, I just want to ask you these questions because I feel like the answers would be really kind of illuminating. So are there any books that you've enjoyed recently um, that you'd want to share? And then I guess we'll go, we'll go through them. Sorry to put you on the spot. Yeah, no, yeah, no, absolutely. I, I've heard some of the podcasts before, so I'm relatively prepared. Um, but I've been reading more and more recently, actually. And um, I recently read um, Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, um, who's uh-huh, the founder of book. Nike. Um, unbelievable. I read it literally cover yeah. to cover. I, I found it an incredible story. Um, and we we'll really recommend that mm-hmm. if anybody hasn't read it. Um, and I think it really sort of highlights that you can i'll not spoil the story but you can basically you know be fighting every single day and all of a sudden like it it Mm. just comes right for you and you know Mm -hmm. it would be amazing how many opportunities there were for us not to have nike and i'll not say any more than that because i don't want to spoil it Mm. but you know if one of those things could have happened it wouldn't have existed today and you you think how you know Mm. massive that is and so yeah that that was really really good and what else i read recently um i read a book on um it was about psychology but it was um i can't remember the title of it the devil you know that was what it was called um again it's not really dentistry related but it's about um it's by dr gwen and i hope i'm saying this right ad shed um Mm -hmm. it's basically she was a forensic um psychologist at broadmoor and about sort of the people like it's every chapter is based around a different person that she was the psychologist for and the you know murderers or um 
you know stalkers things like that and that's really interesting and wasn't really like a take-home message it wasn't a wellness book or anything like that but it was just really sure. interesting reading in the psychology of of people and some of the darker people in in life so mm-hmm. again that was a, that was a really good a really good read and like you say it being um, a marathon not a sprint all these weird books i mean even the the nike book it's, it's great it's it's about business and there's but you get all these little things like you're saying like the not giving up and um just keeping keeping on going and when things don't look like they're going well and in that book i mean yeah again not to spoil it but as we as you were saying we really mm-hmm. were very close not to having nike in like i mean it just every chapter is like this mm-hmm. was this problem the shipping mm-hmm. and then they stole the pattern and then mm-hmm. this uh athlete you know whatever but um so yeah amazing um, it's good as well because we're so focused on what's that one thing that's going to go wrong and completely ruin my life? But then we don't think about, well, it only also takes one great thing to make it. Yeah, I think as well, like reading around, I I try and read around subjects that aren't necessarily directly related to what we do, especially if it's for like pleasure. And I think it it kind Uh of puts things into perspective a little bit about what, what we do. And, you know, like if you read Adam Kay's book, like it reminds you that actually, you know, I always remember this being a third year student and one of our uh, teachers, his son was trained to be a max fax surgeon. And he was like, ultimately, like the worst thing that's going to happen to you today is you're going to, you know, maybe perforate or something. And yes, they lose a tooth. It, it, you know, it, it's horrible. It's not a nice discussion to have. But realistically, you know, yesterday my son saw somebody fall off a roof and, you know, had like an orbital blowout fracture or something. I think it just it just grounds you just like a little bit. Um, and and hopefully a bit like we were talking about before with sort of you know you see people's amazing work and you think well mine wasn't like that today just trying to like ground you and just be more well-rounded as a person as well as and and hopefully that makes you a better dentist but just trying to make sure that you're as good as you can be you know so Mm -hmm. again for me that's books but that might be you know podcasts film sports um you know keep it you know looking after your hobbies and things and i think you know again if you're if you're a foundation dentist and you're going into work for the first time it's really hard um Mm -hmm. making sure that you still do those things that make you you as well as dentist you is is massively important and and really important advice for somebody yeah i love that and i just i've been listening to Obama's autobiography and that's been doing a a really good job of grounding me because as he's considering whether to send a hundred thousand troops to Afghanistan, it, it kind of yeah puts things into into perspective about mm-hmm. dentistry. Um, so that's really good. And I yeah, you did give mindset advice there is kind of being a well-rounded person. But do you have anything that you kind of use? I guess both inside and outside of dentistry, dealing with a, a stressful day, or how do you, how do you kind of tend to manage that and manage yourself? Um, I, I try and make sure that I've got some time sort of on my own and I've been trying I was really into sport when I was younger and then I kept it up through uni and then when I started as an FD it kind of like tailed off I felt like I got slightly consumed with basically you know trying to study and and you know get as good as I as I can obviously that is still a really big part of my life but I'm trying to make myself go back to the gym and, and have that you know just that sort of time to sort of 
think about something else but I, for me that's like the one thing that i can do that i'm not thinking about a million other things you know like if i go for a swim or something i can't have my phone i can't have any music on yeah. my head's in the water and i'm and i'm swimming and or you know running or whatever you know just some form of sport for me really is is how i try and you know do that it just lets me think about something else you know yeah. so yeah definitely that for me but again it, it's whatever works for you and, and everybody will find hopefully find their bit of peace um hopefully amazing that's 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 honestly and that just makes sense why your post is so grounded as well because you're such a grounded person i love that thank you so much for that mm-hmm. um harry before before you go i would love if you talked a little bit about um what you have coming up i know you've got a fantastic course mm-hmm. um coming through i know you've got a fantastic giveaway at the moment as well uh-huh. but more importantly i just want uh, people to hear about the opportunities that you can give them yeah absolutely um so you know similar to like the topic of this whole thing i with anything you want to try and pass on the knowledge that you've sort of acquired over you know maybe not so much with dentistry but with me for photography you know the last like seven or eight years i think it I think it was like 2016 when I started Harry Craig Photography. So it's been quite a long time now. Um, and again, like I feel like I've learned a lot and, and want to try and sort of pass that on. So the natural thing for me was like, okay, let's try and let's try and do a course. And um, I had a few people like, oh, you know, you should do a course. And it, it, it took me a little while to be like, okay, yes, let's actually let's actually do a course. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a one day course essentially that's essentially, well, it's split into two sections the morning is like case style photography so it can be for if you're a complete beginner or you already take loads of case photos and you just want to make them just that much better especially if you're going for you know accreditation or you're doing a master's or something like that and you want to just make sure that your photos are really tip top that's what the morning's on and then the afternoon is sort of a bit more sort of varied so it's on things like problem solving common issues so you know somebody else has been using your camera and you pick it up and you take a photo and something's wrong with it and it's like working out okay what is wrong and and how do i get it back to how it was before so the point of that again came from the fds often they take brilliant photos in the session and then they go to practice and use the same camera and take rubbish photos and it's like why is that and often it's because mm-hmm. somebody's messed with the settings also. There's that. We're going to go a bit into like what is workflow? Why is it important? How do I essentially make all my photos line up? Um, and, you know, so if I do want to make a post or whatever, I can literally make them identical. And then the last bit of the afternoon is really slash early evening is like taking studio kind of style photos. So, you know, black backgrounds, floating dentures, um, you know, making mm-hmm. that lab work look like as, as good as possible. Um, because again, you know, if you're going into that sort of self-marketing point of point of view, um, that's really important. And I, I think it's really valuable if you want to go into, if you want to go into a practice and you can show to the practice, look, like this is what, you know, I can, this is how I can document my work. And um, this is what we can show patients. I think that's really important um, to be able to do, you know, take a, a varied style of, a photograph not necessarily just your bog standard um your bog standard photo so it should be a really good day i'm really excited um and i hope there's some you know good up uptake on it because i i feel really passionate about it hopefully i've come across like that this this evening but mm-hmm. you know it's something i'm really passionate about and i do want to try and sort of share that share that knowledge 
Um, as part of that, I basically decided, right, I'm going to do a giveaway. Let's give something back to, you know, people up and coming. And I feel like I'm often raving about, um, I'm often raving about, you know, getting a camera. So I was like, right, let's give one away to somebody that, you know, is engaging. So there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, it's a, it's a Canon DSLR camera. I've got it here, actually. I can, for those who are watching it, it's, it's here. <laughs> being looked after and being cherished so it's a canon <laughs> it's it. a canon 750d and a 60 mil macro lens um i'll not bore you with all the info but if you go onto onto my instagram there's all the information there's a real anna post on there and um, and and you know one of your lucky listeners if they go and have a look might be might be the winner and and then they can get into practice and get take some photos sort of asap follow up on what they've hopefully learned from today's session but there's loads of info I, i'm writing blog blog posts as i go so you know there's there's info on my website and stuff and if anybody wants a bit more information about stuff there's there's free information out there as as well it, you know it's not just about or oh, just come on my come on my course there will be sort of more information sort of coming out i'm i'm trying my best to to work and also like produce content yes. and make yeah. reels and stuff which you know <laughs> i don't i again with you guys like the podcast man it must take it takes a lot of doing and you know just as a as a de general dentist like i really appreciate <laughs> both you both and also you know other sort of content creators out there i've mentioned a few already but you know they're essentially helping us all upskill and and it takes a massive amount of time i've only really just realized this myself from making my first reel yesterday and it took like three hours to make a one minute reel and <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. i felt so computer illiterate honest to god um <laughs> but you know i yeah <laughs> yeah oh, for the same reason i really appreciate you taking your time uh oh, today to, yeah, to film a, with us so thank you evening. i know yeah. yeah it's the start of the week though it's the best day monday yeah we're all <laughs> love that i don't yeah. think many people would share that opinion with you but i love that <laughs> yeah everybody's left now they've all gone they're like right yeah. I've had enough of mondays yeah it. get lost yeah. <laughs> no it's been fantastic thank you so much mate yeah no, no thank, yeah, you, thank you, so you so much guys it's, it's, no, it's been really chat. really lovely i've really enjoyed it so um yeah thank you thank you to everyone for listening um please Yo, follow Harry Craig, check out his website, check out his course. Um, it sounds absolutely amazing. And um, yeah, we'll see you all next week. Take Bye. care. Thanks, guys. Bye.